1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
0: Let's get a focus on the fact that the conservative side of politics at a state and federal level appears to be in crisis. Uh, Some point to the Liberals' devastating defeat in the recent Aston by-election. We might wonder about conservative politics here at home and around the Western democratic world. Well, Andrew McColl is back with us today. He's been thinking through these issues. Andrew is Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland. Andrew, special welcome back to 2020.
1: Thank you, Neil. It's it's nice to be with you again.
0: Hey, uh, Andrew, um, there might be uh, those who argue that the conservative side of politics is not in crisis, uh, you've got a few thoughts that we'll talk about today. What makes you think that there is a major flaw, a major crisis that's happening right now?
1: Well, as we've been seeing over the last 12 months, it's now the 20th of April and starting with the last federal election in May last year, uh, Mr Morrison was well and defeated by the Labor Party. The subsequent to that we've had the Labor Party win in Victoria, we've had um, the, the loss of, of the, the Liberals in, in New South Wales, we've had an Aston by-election go backwards again for the Liberals, four out of four, doesn't look too impressive. And um, so I think it's only a fair question to ask, well, what's happening with Liberals, what's happening with the Conservatives in Australia, and why have they been losing so fairly dramatically, and what's been kind of contributing to that?
0: And listeners to our conversations regularly know that we bring Christian perspective when it comes to issues around politics and You might even say God is neither conservative nor progressive. Uh, But as Christians, we start with what Christians believe, what we glean from an understanding of the Bible and have a God's eye view of the world. And from that, we start to analyze some level of political debate and uh, make our uh, thoughts about those things that go on. And oftentimes, Andrew, and listeners will know that oftentimes our criticisms are of the progressive side of uh, politics. But today we're bringing some criticism to the conservative side and saying what's going on, what's gone wrong I wonder though, have you got some thoughts Andrew about what it is that conservatives actually believe in so that we can make an assessment about conservative uh, politics uh, in the states and federally Well that's a good
1: question Neil, I think it's, it's important to be able to nail those down fairly simply so I don't give you a kind of a 15 minute lecture on conservatism but We would generally believe that that conservatives, and and I, I classify myself and you probably do too as a conservative, that we would believe in the traditional family, a stable law base, small government, balanced budgets, less tax, more freedom for the individual and for the family and for the church.
0: Well, when we talk about what conservatives might believe in, and even as you say those things, uh, those listeners who listen regularly will know we talk about the traditional family. We talk about law. We talk about government budgets and taxation. Those sorts of things are actually really, really important. So when we talk about what's happened to conservatism, I wonder if you can identify... Who you're looking at? Is it the policies? Is it the people? What is the major problem here?
1: Well, I think it's all of those things, Neil. I think we've we've had some some rather spineless kind of leaders, to put it bluntly, who who lacked true conservative convictions. And going back federally to Malcolm Turnbull uh, and also Scott Morrison, and and in in uh, New South Wales, we had Dominic Perrottet in that last election, just back in March, and then we had Victoria Matthew Guy, and, and presently John Posuto. So when 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 these leaders don't hold to conservative convictions, they finish up trying to kind of go along with the left. But when they when they can't withstand the left, they go left, and as, as I think these four or five men have done, and they get smashed. And as Tony Abbott said recently, Labor light, Liberals lose. And and that just doesn't work very well for anybody.
0: When we talk about the other side of politics, uh, if you're talking conservatives today, uh, progressives, uh, there's something that is captivating the imagination of Australians because... Uh, There's a sea of progressiveness across mainland Australia especially, and uh, that's all the states, and federally as well. So uh, what is it that you think is making the progressives so popular and the conservatives not? Well, what we do know is that it's always easy to make
1: promises to people. We can solve your problems for you, and, and vote us in and we'll just make things wonderful. Now, unfortunately, the the left or the progressives, as you say, they are invariably big spenders, and they're poor money managers. Consequently, we have we find, generally speaking, that the deficit balloons, inflation is up, balancing the books never happens, and our children have to pay.
0: Well, when we're talking progressivism and conservatism, Uh, we almost get to a point where we say, well, conservatives, we get uh, under fire from time to time because we look like we're uh, standing firm uh, almost too rigidly and uh, people will often say you're holding on too tightly to the past. Any thoughts here around uh, holding on to things uh, or uh, being moved to whatever you feel is the right direction to go?
1: Yeah, well that's a that's a fair question to have to answer about holding on to things from the past. I don't believe in holding on to things from the past unless those from, from those things from the past have some meaning which is actually going to last us well into the future. Uh, for instance, we we tend to find that the the left make their decisions based on emotion, not on fiscal reality. How do you pay for all the promises? That, that people make to us these days in politics. Now, it was Chesterton who made the comment, when people don't believe in God, they don't believe in nothing, they believe in anything. So, w- when, our, when our political leaders, or those who aspire to be our leaders, can say, this is going to happen under my watch, and if you vote for me, this, is, this will be so much better, it's just a promise. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. And, um, People, people rather foolishly think, well, gee, he's made some great promises. I'll, I'll, I'll vote for him or her. Now, promises are easy to make, but they're very much more difficult to fulfil. And um, what we know, back, going back to the kind of federal context, going back a, a few decades, was that when the Australian voters threw out Labor and Paul Keating in 1996. It took Peter Costello, who was the federal treasurer at the time, 11 years to get the debts paid back that that had been accrued under uh, Paul Keating. So what happens next, time Do we, do we just go on believing that the promises that, that they're making to us, as big and as bright as they ever get, are going to be just wonderful promises to see them fulfilled? Or do we really have time to look through the promises and start to get a a little bit more critical, a bit more probing and say, well, how is it ever going to work out in practice?
0: So believing in anything compared to holding tight to some principled foundations, and of course as Christians uh, we bring our principled foundations from those things we might glean from who God is and what he's revealed. If you're talking about people though, uh, when people talk about uh, great Australian conservatives, they'll often talk about uh, same one, like John Howard. Uh, what about other great true conservatives that you might be able to identify to be able to see whether there is good value in the things that they stood for?
1: Well, I would probably think that, that uh, Bob Menzies was a pretty good conservative because he tended to be very thoughtful about matters like the family, and small business and keeping budgets balanced and staying within the, the kind of parameters of what most of us would classify as being stable government and not not being excessive in his his promises and as he would know in, in his era um, it, it's it's much more practical and realistic to look at what you actually can probably do in the next three or five years and, and make some, some gentle promises or gentle claims about the future without, without promising people that their future is going to be some kind of utopian vision that, well, frankly, never really works out very well. In fact, it mostly has dreadful consequences. Um, most of us would know something about the promises of the totalitarian government's back in the, in, in the 20th century, they were utopian promises. That is, they were completely unrealistic in the long term. And what those people did get was very commonly poverty, hardship, starvation, and war. And, and, and even more than that, those very governments that promised them that a wonderful future finished up oppressing those people terribly.
0: Andrew, as you gaze across our own political spectrum now and uh, you think about uh, true conservatives or people who are able to stand their ground, uh, who do you think of uh, in our own environment now? Because a lot of people will say uh, conservatism is in crisis because those who are on the conservative side have moved to the left and they don't look too conservative at all. People might be thinking of, uh, you know, our current uh, leaders uh, on the conservative side and wondering whether they actually are true conservatives at all. Who could you identify as perhaps a true conservative uh, on the political spectrum here in Australia? I'm
1: not sure, to be honest, Neil, that, that there are a, a, a great number around who are truly conservatives. They they may be liberal, they may be National Party or they may be One Nation. There are some, uh, you would have probably noticed that uh, One Nation picked up an extra seat in the upper house in New South Wales in, in the March elections, which is, I think is a positive thing, because uh, they are prepared to stand their ground on matters of conservatism, and I was impressed with that. Um, but I think what we have to realise is that rather than look to to others in the political process, to say, well, what what should we be doing uh, about this situation. I think this is where Christians and the church must step up and begin to speak more more publicly and openly and frankly about the things that they want. And the Bible tells us that the church is the pillar and support of the truth. Now, if the church is sleeping if, and if Christians are sleeping uh, and, and they're not active in, in the, the political process then that's one of the reasons why things go downhill. So we've got to be thinking about our, our possible role in government and, and stepping up and calling some spades some spades and saying to our, our, our local MPs and our, our leaders, these are the things that we want to see happen with government, with you, and challenge them to do so and 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 all of that is is a as a very important part of the, of the political process and Christians must learn not to be backwards in coming forward but to to get in touch with their local members and tell them what they want them to do
0: is there a sense in which as Christian believers so we don't know what we believe about these things that form those foundations that give us that ability to be able to stand firm. So, I mean, when I think of these sorts of things, uh, about what it is a Christian believes, you know, you've got uh, those really foundational issues like, you know, we believe in human dignity because we're created in the image and likeness of God. That's got ramifications across a lot of policy areas. Uh, the thought, the sorts of things uh, that we understand that... Humanity is a fallen humanity, uh, not a perfect humanity that just, you know, plans its future on a whim. We're actually aware of some of the challenges that we face uh, in our relationships with one another. Other things like our respect for authority that starts, you know, say from a Romans chapter 13, uh, the fear of God that is the beginning of all wisdom. These are the sorts of things, I guess, that we will often talk about uh, and how they then relate to, actual policy debate that happens in Australia's context, uh, this is the sort of area that we need to be to be thinking carefully of. If you were uh, revealing your hand here, Andrew, about the sorts of things that Christians are not thinking deeply enough, not addressing their politicians enough about, which ones would you say are most important? Well, I would say that we
1: have to predict... The, their traditional family, Neil. That's a very important part of, of, of any community, of, of any society. We have to realise that dad, mum and the kids, going back to the Garden of Eden, that's, that's where it all starts from and that's where we have to be thinking carefully about what is happening to the family today. Are governments making war on the, on, on the family? I think they actually are making war on the family. And they're doing it by various means. you might have heard you might have heard just recently, I, well, I, I just came across a, a, a document yesterday about about the coercive control laws that have been passed in New South Wales, which is a terrible piece of legislation, a brutal piece of legislation. And it's only recently been passed in New South Wales. and in, by by lots and lots of means, various governments, state and federal are willing, to make war on the family. And we have other things coming into this, such as the, the LGBT thing, transgender and so on, which is getting lots and lots of airplay, but not too many people, are, I'm glad to see there are now some, but not too many people are saying, this is a, a very destructive attitude to say to, to to teenage boys and girls, you can change your sex. It simply cannot happen a boy cannot become a girl and a and a girl cannot become a boy
0: it's a confronting thing isn't it uh, because you want to remain in some ways uh, above the politics and so from your christian perspective you say i want to be beyond a uh, uh, politics in fact Uh, we'd always say you can be an authentic Christian and join any of the mainstream political parties and that would be an encouragement to do. You recognise, though, that if one side uh, seems to have a war on the family and that this is one of your foundations, somehow then as a Conservative you need to say, well, how do you regroup? Uh, Where do you go to to protect the family? And I guess it does tend to lean to one side and that would be conservatism so having a conversation about conservatism in crisis uh, is a major conversation you've got to have so uh, before the next election Andrew uh, what is it you think that people who are Christian uh, perhaps leaning conservatively recognizing there's a crisis what ought to uh, what they ought to be doing well, I think it's
1: important to think about the very basic things and the fact that the family is very important and it must be must be strengthened. So things like the Family Law Act, which was changed in 1975, needs a radical overhaul because that 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 had part of it was the the no-fault law going into to the uh, the uh, the law of Australia, meaning that if if dad and mum uh separate just goes 50 50 come what may whether dad was wrong whether mum was wrong they just split 50 50. well that means that the innocent party often suffers and so that the female law act needs to be overhauled so that the innocent party is not uh the one that loses out in that and and lots of other things but i i think bearing in mind the time that we have we, we can just put it basically in six words um, less tax less government more freedom, and so, that is what we all want to see.
0: So, if there's a crisis, uh, if you lean conservatively, uh, you can't uh, you can't avoid the fact that there is a crisis. On you've got to get back to nuts and bolts. How do you do that? Do you think, just as we wrap things up, uh, your thoughts for for people moving forward? Well, you've got to deal with things like government
1: departments. You've got to think about state and uh, federal. It, like, like we have six six states, and, and they, they all have a, a um, health department, a education department, and there's a federal department. So you have seven departments. Why can't we start closing some of those departments? Why has it got to be a federal one? We have this needless duplication. We've got to you know, kind of address things like um, wasteful welfare, confronting the lies of climate change and energy security, get rid of the NDIS, which has proven impossible to fund, hammer the Labor governments on their debts and failure to balance the budget, let the free market operate, retain live export markets, cut government waste at all levels and push for tax cuts.
0: Well, Andrew McColl, uh, you're not backward in coming forward and uh, some strong comments in all of that, but I know there'll be a lot of listeners who'll appreciate that sort of straight talk. Andrew McColl is Family Voice Australia State Director for the State of Queensland, uh, familyvoice.org.au. And you can also get a hold of Andrew's books. He's written a number of books. They Shall Become One, The Significance of the Godly Family, Inherit the Earth, and The Great Christian Revolution. Andrew McColl, great getting your insights. Thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's been nice being with you again.